0: hello everyone this is the theoretical doctor and today's topic will be on breathing mechanism and lung volumes for notes and flashcards on this topic do visit my website theoreticaldoctor.com this is a recording from my video on my youtube channel thus if you want visual guided explanations do visit my channel on youtube the theoretical doctor let's get into it and I hope you enjoy this recording in this video we will be continuing on gaseous exchange whereby we will dive into breathing mechanisms and lung volumes hence the subtopic covered will be on the control of breathing mechanism as well as the lung volumes control of breathing mechanism so the control of breathing mechanism is involuntary and involves negative feedback mechanism it's involuntary and negative feedback not positive feedback an example of positive feedback would be during parturition, during giving birth alright so back to this so the respiratory center is found in the medulla oblongata in the brain over here Okay. <laughs> so this part here is the brainstem and this is the medulla oblongata that's where the respiratory center is found. So the ventral portion of the v- respiratory center acts as the inspiratory center. So it controls the increase in rate and depth of inspiration and the dorsal and lateral portions of the respiratory center acts as the expiratory center. So it inhibits respiration and stimulates expiration. In general, ventral refers to the front of the body so it would be this and the dorsal refers to the back in other words these terms are also known as anterior and posterior respectively so the medulla oblongata is like a pacemaker for breathing because it sets the basic rhythm while the pons this part here moderates it. So this medulla oblongata is basically the big boss who's gonna be like, um, yeah, okay, you're gonna start breathing <laughs> until you stop. These pons will moderate it, so the person maybe need to breathe in more, ventilate more, or ventilate less. So it smooths out the tension in between inhalation and also exhalation. And the rate of breathing varies with the level of activity. I mean, like maybe as you're going to sleep, the breathing will decrease. But then you know if you're gonna climb up until the 12th floor you would find that you would be exacerbating so there's regular and repetitive nerve impulses being generated and transmitted to the intercostal muscles and diaphragms to produce basic rhythm of inspiration and expiration. And the main stimuli controlling the breathing mechanism are the concentration or the partial pressure of carbon dioxide as well as the concentration of hydrogen ions in the blood. Here we will talk about the peripheral and the central chemoreceptors. So the first one, peripheral chemoreceptors. The carotid bodies on the carotid arteries and the aortic bodies on the aorta. These are the peripheral chemoreceptors. So they are stimulated by high partial pressure of carbon dioxide and high concentration of hydrogen ions or low pH levels. Because if you're talking about pH, you're basically talking about the concentration of hydrogen ions. So what happens here is when they are being stimulated, the nerve impulses are sent from the peripheral chemoreceptors to the respiratory center in the medulla oblongata. So for peripheral chemoreceptors, they occur immediately when the partial pressure of carbon dioxide rises so the moment the body detects not the body but you know the carotid bodies on the carotid arteries and also the aortic bodies on the aorta the moment they they detect high partial pressure of carbon dioxide they will act immediately so that's for peripheral chemoreceptors now for central chemoreceptors they are sensitive to the partial pressure of carbon dioxide partial pressure of oxygen as well as the ph levels but where so um, the arterial partial pressure of carbon dioxide increases so when it increases some of the molecules diffuse into the spinal fluid the cerebrospinal fluid surrounding the medulla basically when there's high carbon dioxide there's obviously gonna be more hydrogen ions being produced so the ph level level will decrease right what happens is some of these molecules because there's just too much already they diffuse into the spinal fluid and what happens is there is an increase in the concentration of hydrogen ions which corresponds to a decrease in pH value in the cerebrospinal fluid so the cerebrospinal fluid will detect it what happens next is the central chemoreceptors the central chemoreceptors are found in the medulla oblongata oh, they will detect oh no there's low ph value or there's too much hydrogen ions so they're being stimulated and they impulses are sent to the respiratory centers so this occurs when the carbon dioxide level in the blood remains high and is responsible for sustained increase in breathing rate so the difference between these two is peripheral chemoreceptors will act immediately but central chemoreceptors act later on when basically the peripheral chemoreceptors have tried really hard but you know there's still too much carbon dioxide it's it's just really that they have to come in key way to differentiate between peripheral and central is if you see the word peripheral it means periphery basically just the border outside the gates okay before things gets too bad so basically they want to nip the problem in the bud but if you see the word central it means the issue or the problem has gone on too deep too long prolonged and the main center has to come in to solve the problem hence in this case the central chemoreceptors are in the medulla oblongata itself okay so this is the control of deep breathing mechanism so these respiratory centers then generates nerve impulses which are transmitted via the motor nerves okay especially the phrenic nerve so during inspiration the lungs expand and the stretch receptors the receptors in the walls of the alveoli and bronchioles are being stimulated so after they're stimulated after you know person has to inhale air the inhibitory nerve impulses are sent via the vagus nerve to the extra expiratory center in the medulla oblongata and this temporarily inhibits inspiration and hence the person will breathe out. Hence expiration will occur. So as more carbon dioxide diffuses from the blood to the alveoli, the partial pressure of carbon dioxide lowers resulting in less carbon dioxide diffusion into the cerebrospinal fluid surrounding the medulla oblongata and hence less concentration of hydrogen ions are produced and the breathing rate returns to normal. So when the partial pressure of carbon dioxide returns to normal, the breathing rate returns to normal. So only in inspiration is there such thing as inhibition. But during expiration, no inhibitions. Now a little bit on the effects of oxygen which is not stated here. When there are low oxygen levels such as in high altitudes, the carotid and aortic chemoreceptors will be activated and impulses will be transmitted to the medulla oblongata. The central chemoreceptors are they also respond to low partial pressure of oxygen and this will cause an increase in the rate of impulses that stimulate breathing. Oxygen will then cause an increase in the rate of impulses that stimulate breathing and more oxygen will diffuse from the alveoli to the blood and then after that the breathing rate can return to normal. So I've summarized it in this <laughs> diagram. I really hope you understand but I'll I'll walk you through. Okay, so depending on the stimulus here, it could be due to an increase in partial pressure of carbon dioxide, low pH, increase in the concentration of hydrogen ions, which well essentially means low pH or decreased partial pressure of oxygen. It depends on the stimuli, then the chemoreceptors will be stimulated. But you need to know, is it peripheral or is it central? So know the locations of these chemoreceptors. For the peripheral chemoreceptors, it is the aortic body and the carotid bodies for the central chemoreceptors it is the medulla oblongata after detecting low ph value in the cerebrospinal fluid so the medulla oblongata will stimulate the inspiratory center for inspiration to occur and the stimulus will be sent through the phrenic nerve after it has sent out the package to the phrenic nerve, the phrenic highway, it will reach the destination. And the destination is the diaphragm and the intercostal muscles. So remember, you want inspiration to occur. What happens over here is contraction of diaphragm, contraction of external intercostal muscles, as well as the relaxation of internal intercostal muscles. After that, inspiration will occur. So we will breathe in air. And obviously, as you take in a deep breath, (laughs) the stretch receptors will be stimulated and remember that only during inspiration will there be such thing as an inhibitory impulse so the lungs will inflate and expand and the stretch receptors will be stimulated after breathing in air or after inspiration occurs the inhibitory nerve impulses will be sent to the vagus nerve now they will go through the vagus highway (laughs) And the expiratory center in the medulla oblongata will be stimulated now the brain is telling the body to breathe air out like please stop breathing in then this is followed by the relaxation of diaphragm the contraction of internal intercostal muscles as well as the relaxation of external intercostal muscles then expiration will then occur and the body will breathe air out so the lungs will deflate and de- remember there are are no inhibitory impulses here no stretch receptors hence no impulse generated and the whole cycle starts again from the top moving on is the lung volumes okay let's begin with tidal volume so this part here dun dun dun, <laughs> tidal volume is the volume of air that is inhaled in and exhale out with each breath consists about 450 to 500 cubic centimeters of air so this is based basically tidal volume is the normal breathing in and out volume next is the inspiratory reserve volume so this is the maximum additional volume of air that can be inhaled in after a normal tidal inspiration this is the normal tidal inspiration this part here is the extra that can be breathed in okay so basically when you tell a person to take a deep breath in and it contains about 3000 cubic centimeters of air. Next is the expiratory reserve volume. So that is the maximum additional volume of air that can be exhaled out after a normal tidal inspiration. It contains about 1300 cubic centimeters of air. So if you tell a person to just breathe out fully, and then you have the vital capacity okay this part here vital capacity vital capacity is the maximum volume of air exchange basically you're talking about this and this that's the vital capacity so maximum volume of air exchange after a forced inspiration followed immediately by forced expiration it contains 4,600 cubic centimeters of air so tell the person to take a deep breath in and deep breath out so there's a formula for this vital capacity is the addition of the tidal volume the inspiratory reserve volume and the expiratory reserve volume as you can see here that's the vital capacity And then you have the residual volume. So residual volume is the volume of air that remains in the lungs all the time. It's just there. It cannot be expelled even after a forced expiration. It's just there. It contains about 1200 cubic centimeters of air. And then you have the total lung volume. Total meaning all of it so total lung capacity is the total volume of air that the lungs can hold and it's everything it contains about 5800 cubic centimeters of air a little bit about the ventilation rate the formula ventilation rate is tidal volume multiplied by the number of breaths per minute then you get the ventilation rate so this is what I've talked about earlier you can pause the video over here rewind a bit look at the graph and remember if you want to explore more notes on this topic. Um, do check out the link in the description down below. Or if you want flashcards, you know, if you're gonna sit for an exam, you just want something to just go through really fast, then you can go to my Pinterest account because I upload flashcards over there, which I designed from these um, slides. I compiled it, and yeah, you can you can download it for free, it's free content. Thank you for listening and I hope you've gained some value from this episode. I would appreciate it if you could follow my podcast and YouTube channel the theoretical doctor do stay tuned for the following episodes which will be posted every tuesdays and fridays till then take care and i hope you have a blessed day